Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift of this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured upon us anew, that you would refresh us, Lord, and focus our hearts and minds upon you. We pray that you would unite us, Lord, as your body here in this place, Lord. Unite our hearts around your gospel, Lord. May your hope fill us, and may you place your words upon our lips that we might faithfully proclaim them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning, everybody. Morning. So good to see you all today. Well, I brought in some old drawings of the church. Uh, this was when we were trying to plan what to do with the entryway, right? They, uh, they sketched out kind of the idea of how they were going to do it, what they were going to do with it. And they had two different plans, uh, one you see here and the other a little different that included the stained glass that's above the door still. Um, now, there's a difference, though, between this and what's outside, right? What's the big difference between this picture and what's outside? Well, the window, okay, that's one difference. Color, what else? You're overthinking it. This is a drawing that's made of wood and like solid doors and stuff like that, right? It would have saved us a lot of time and money to just staple this on the outside of the building. And maybe get an X-Acto knife and cut out the door so you could go kind of crawl through. But that wouldn't work, would it? Not very wind, wind or rain resistant, is it? Uh, not a good R factor for insulation either. Right? This was a, a drawing. It was an idea of what we could do. It was a proposed framework for what was to come. But it did not replace or supersede what would take place after it. Instead, it was replaced and superseded by the reality that we see outside. Is this making sense? Am I getting too deep here with this? Yeah, I'm getting pretty deep. All right, sorry about that. But you get the idea, right? Blueprints only show you what is to be. They do not replace what is to be. Okay. Something like that, I think, is going on in our Old Testament passage for today from the book of Genesis. We have the story of Joseph, and we only get a little teeny bit of the story, and that just won't do, will it? We need the whole story, or most of the story. So I'm going to give you... The story of Joseph today. It is an epic tale. And, but ours today begins with a problem. Joseph has a problem. The first problem he has is that Joseph's dad, Jacob, loves him more than his other brothers. Fortunately, this has not been a problem with this family, this loving one person more than others. Right, you remember uh, Joseph, I mean Jacob and Le- Leah and Rachel, his two wives, he loves one more than the other. Uh, Jacob himself was loved more than his brother Esau, at least by his mom. Right, this is a family thing. Sometimes we see those things passed down in families. I'm sure your family has none of those issues in it. Um, but this one did, right? So Joseph is also the 11th of the 12 children that Jacob will have with his two wives. Right, that makes him just a little guy compared to his bigger brothers. But Joseph is the firstborn child of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. So that gives him a special place, right? The firstborn of his favorite wife. Because he is so loved, Joseph is given a snazzy coat. You guys know the coat, right? You know, it's, uh, it's your coat of many colors or the Technicolor dream coat if you're really into theater, right? Um, 
Sometimes it's translated a coat with sleeves, with long sleeves. That doesn't sound as cool, does it? You know, oh, mine's got sleeves, yours has no sleeves. I don't know. But in it, it, the idea was he was given something special. And did his, did his brothers appreciate that? No. no, they didn't like it at all. They were jealous of Joseph. In addition, Joseph's life is not made any easier by the gift that God gives him as well. Joseph has the gift of dreaming significant dreams and interpreting them. The problem with those dreams thus far is that they have involved, they've been dreams that involve his brothers bowing down and worshiping him. And as the 11th of 12 children, how do you think his older 10 brothers like that? No, they're not liking that at all. They're hating this. So this goes on top of him being the most loved, on top of him having the cool jacket, and then now he's dreaming dreams where he is the object of the worship of his brothers. They don't like him at all. all. And so they do what any big brothers would plan to do. They plan to kill him. (laughs) Right? They see him coming out in the fields to them. Daddy's not around. Mom's not around. Just little Joseph walking out there. They're like, let's just kill the guy, okay? It's a practical decision. Well, one of the brothers, Reuben, who came up with the sandwich, he decides that, you know, he's going to protect his younger brother. And so he's like, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit. Right? And that's the loving thing to do. Um, And so... He, they don't, the other brothers don't know, but Reuben's plan is to go and rescue him later and bring him back to dad. But, um, so they do, they throw him in this well. Luckily, there's no water in there. He's just down in the bottom of it. And so they're sitting there having their lunch when some people walk by, some slave traders. And so what is the bright idea that goes off in their head? Let's sell them into slavery. Why would they do this? Well, for one, they don't, they don't, then they don't have to kill him. They don't have his blood on their hands. But number two, what do they do? They get rid of him, but what else do they get? They get money, that's right. So they, tell him, they sell him for 20 pieces of silver, which apparently was a decent deal. I don't know. Um, and so they've now sold their brother into slavery. And Joseph is taken by these slave traders down into Egypt. And things are not so bad for Joseph, despite the fact that he is sold by Egyptian slave traders, which doesn't sound fun. Um, he ends up in the house of Potiphar, who's a decent guy. Potiphar is the head, or is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. And Joseph is doing great in that household. He is prospering, flourishing. God is blessing him and blessing the household that he's in. And everybody likes him in Potiphar's house, especially Potiphar's wife. She really, really likes Joseph, right? And she lets him know she really, really likes him. She says, Joseph, how about you and me? And Joseph says, no way, no way. I can't do that to my master Potiphar, and I cannot do that to my God. It is not okay. But she is uh, incessant. She keeps coming after him saying, Joseph, you and me, we would be great together. And Joseph's like, no, no, no. And then finally one day, right? You know this where this is going, right? It's not going in a good direction. One day, um, Potiphar's wife is in her room. Jo- she calls Joseph in. Joseph tries to get away from her when she propositions him. 
and she grabs him by the cloak. And Joseph is so scared, what does he do? Leaves the cloak and runs. And what is Joseph wearing when he comes out of her bedroom? (laughs) Nothing, right? He's got his birthday suit on, running like crazy, right? Does this look good for Joseph? No, not at all, right? So when Potiphar comes home, wifey comes to him and says, you will not believe what your servant Joseph tried to do to me today. And she says, he left his clothes as he tried to take advantage of me. And so what does Potiphar do? He's mad. He throws Joseph into prison. And since he's the captain of Pharaoh's guard, he's got some, he's got some, you know, some sway with the big guy, right? So he gets thrown, gets... Uh, Joseph thrown into the big house. And so in prison, uh, Joseph meets a couple guys who used to work for Pharaoh, but now are in prison as well. And he interprets their dreams. The dreams of both are fulfilled. One of them is a bummer because the guy loses his head. But the, the interpretation was accurate. I don't think the guy appreciated it very much. The other, Joseph has interpreted his, his dream And he is brought back into service as the cupbearer of Pharaoh, just like it was prophesied by Joseph. Despite promising to remember Joseph, the the, the cupbearer goes back into the service of Pharaoh and forgets Joseph completely. He forgets the one who has helped him and has prophesied that this would take place. But one night, God makes this all work out for Joseph because he gives Pharaoh a dream. And in Pharaoh's dream, he dreams about cows and stalks of wheat, right? He's got seven fat cows that he get eaten by seven skinny cows, which if you're dreaming that, you know, like, there's something significant because most of us don't dream about stuff like that, do we? Uh, and then also he has dreams, uh, the dream about the stalks, seven stalks of wheat that are um, eaten up by seven, uh, like, bad stalks of wheat. And so Pharaoh's racking his brain. He's like, something's going on here because I'm not usually dreaming about Wheaties and cows eating each other, right? And so he calls for all his advisors in the land. He says, I need help interpreting this dream because obviously it is significant. And no one can help him. No one. The smartest people in the land, the ones who are in touch with all kinds of other things, can't interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. And the cupbearer, a little lamp goes off in his, li- in his head. He's like, oing, Joseph. Oh yeah, Joseph, I forgot all about him. He's languishing in prison. He can interpret your dream for you, Pharaoh. So Pharaoh immediately calls for Joseph, and Joseph does just that. He interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. And the meaning of this is that there will be seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh knows this is right. He understands that that Joseph has discerned God in this dream, and so in the interpretation of the dream, and so he puts Joseph in charge of Egypt because he can't think of a better person to be leading his country into this, these 14 years. So Joseph suddenly goes from prison to being the second in command in the nation of Egypt. During those seven years of famine, Egypt becomes a place of security for the rest of the world because Joseph, in those seven years of plenty, had stored up more than enough 
so that all could be provided for and all could be cared for. So people are coming to Egypt from everywhere because there are no crops growing. There is a huge drought and people are starving. There is even a family that comes from up north in the land of Canaan. God, in his remarkable way, brings Joseph's brothers to him to purchase food to survive the famine. Joseph, though, doesn't immediately reveal himself to them. Anyone know why? Yeah, he's afraid of them, right? Last time he saw his brothers, he was like in shackles, right? Having been sold into slavery. And right before that, they'd thrown him in a well. And before that, they'd planned to kill him, right? So he's not exactly trusting these guys. And so through some elaborate machinations, which you should go home and read about because this whole story is awesome, um, through some elaborate plans and plots, Joseph ultimately discovers that the brothers have, in fact, been changed. They have repented. They are different brothers than the ones who, who sold him into slavery. And he then reveals himself to them in our passage for today from Genesis 45. And when he reveals himself to them, he re- to these brothers who were going to kill him, who threw him in a well, who sold him into slavery, and because of whom he ultimately ended up in Egyptian prison for years, which is not my idea of a vacation. These brothers, he eventually reveals himself to them by saying, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph understands that his life was given to save them. In his sacrifice, the life of others was secured. Joseph shows us God's grace in a significant way. Now, Joseph's story is a powerful one that's an exciting read. I mean, it's a page turner, the story of Joseph. And it stands on its own virtue. It is an amazing account in its own right. But Joseph's story becomes even more meaningful when we compare it to another. In the New Testament, there is another favored child who is betrayed by his brothers and sold for some silver coins and whose death secures the lives of many. Anyone know who this other person is? Jesus, that's right, of course. Favored child of the Father, right? This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him, God tells us. Betrayed by his brother, betrayed by Judas, right, who betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. So inflation has taken place since the 20 for Joseph. Betrayed for silver coins, but whose death secures the life of many. Joseph's life is a prefiguring of the life of Jesus Christ. Joseph is a faint sketch that prepares us for the amazing beauty of the reality of the life of Jesus Christ. You and I, we have the opportunity to be in relationship with this God, the one who sacrificed himself for us. He was betrayed and scourged and died, but not without purpose, because in his death and resurrection, he has secured life for us. And so like Joseph, Jesus can assert, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
with what shall we come before Jesus to have our life preserved? Will we, like Joseph's brothers when they came before him, bring nothing? We are the reason Jesus was put on the cross. We are the reason he was betrayed and sold into death. We are the reason he had to die. And so we come to him humbly, knowing that we bring nothing to Jesus Christ, but that he has given everything for us. May we trust in this Lord. May we bow before him and give him reverence and glory. For he is holy, he is mighty, he is worthy of praise, and he is the fulfillment of the hopes of all. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that in the story of Joseph you have shown us, Lord, what you would bring to pass in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to trust in him, to believe that he is the Savior of our lives, the Redeemer of the world, the one who has come to set us free. May we confess our brokenness to you, Lord. We confess that we are the people who have uh, sinned against your holy law, that we have broken your covenants, Lord. Help us to receive your grace. May your hope shine in our hearts, Lord, and illuminate us. May your joy lift us up, Lord God. And may we, like Joseph's brothers, when they were reunited to him, embrace you, Lord, and shed our tears upon your shoulder as you do with us. And may we share this hope with others that they might rejoice with us in your salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.